Welcome back to All Sharks No Bite, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. That's right. All Sharks No Bite is now part of THPN, and I'm pumped to join their portfolio of hockey podcasts that cover teams from all around the league. Huge shout out to Dylan and Kyle for bringing me on board. And you might be wondering, what does this mean for you, the listener? It means that you'll continue to get this same podcast every single Tuesday. And for me, it means that I'm going to have this really great community behind me to help amplify the show, improve on it every single week, and just continue to have these really fun and hopefully therapeutic conversations during this dreadful shark season. And since there are probably some new listeners now, it probably makes sense for me to reintroduce myself. If you've never heard the show before, my name is Nick Berger. Uh, I've been a San Jose Sharks fan since I was, I want to say, four years old. I think I went to my first game in 1995, if I remember correctly. And I've really been hooked ever since. Although I do remember in those early years when I was four or five years old going to games, it was a bit of a slow burn. I didn't love it right away. Um, I do vividly remember the loud music and the loud cheering from the fans being a little bit uh, startling to my eardrums at that age. But when it really started to sink in was, I believe I was 10 years old. It was the fan appreciation game for the Sharks' 10th anniversary season, San Jose versus Dallas. Mike Ricci scores a hat trick on Fan Appreciation Day, a day on which the fans were given black hats as the promotional giveaway item. So when Mike Ricci tied the game with his hat trick goal late in the third period, the ice was absolutely littered with black hats. You couldn't see an inch of the ice. It absolutely was insane. And I've been hooked ever since. So I always come back to that as a core memory. I've got Great memories from other games throughout my lifetime. I, I was there for the first ever shootout in Sharks history against the Calgary Flames when Nolan Schaefer was in goal for the San Jose Sharks. I was there when Patrick Marlowe returned in 2019 and got a massive standing ovation. So I'm a San Jose Sharks lifer. I love the team. And I'm really pumped to be part of THPN and talking Sharks hockey, no matter how good or bad it is, uh, with all of you every single week. So with that, we'll talk about what's been going on with the Sharks lately, which has been really a meme fest, if nothing else, after losing 10-1 to the Vancouver Canucks, and then following that up with an encore performance, a 10-2 loss against the Pittsburgh Penguins. It is absolutely the rock bottomist of rock bottom for San Jose right now. And really, all we can do at this point in time is put on a brave face. The tank is obviously in full effect, um, as well it should be, but I don't think any of us quite saw this coming. Many prognosticators at the beginning of the season said the Sharks were going to be the worst team in the league. I, I knew that they were going to be bad. Uh, I did not think they were going to be this level of bad, where it's they're almost at like, change your identity, grow a mustache, and move to Mexico, and just kind of start all the way over. Um, levels of badness. And even though this was supposed to be a rebuilding year, they tore it all down. Timo Meyer and Eric Carlson are gone. And I don't think Mike Greer and the Sharks thought it was going to be this bad either. And I don't think it was actually supposed to be this bad. When they signed people like Mike Hoffman and they signed Anthony Duclair, um, they brought in Mackenzie Blackwood. The way that I saw it was they brought in these veteran guys, guys that have had success at the NHL level for 
in some instances, a long time like Mike Hoffman. So I envisioned this at the beginning of the season being at least a competent and competitive team where even if they didn't win a lot of games, they would at least be competitive in every game, uh, you know, maybe lose them 3-2 or 2-1. Um, but that has not been the case at all. And it's only gotten worse from the very beginning of the season where I think the best game that this team played was on opening night against Vegas, where they lost, I believe, 4-2. to two. But in that time, we haven't seen any improvement and it's only got dramatically worse for this team. And now we're at a point where I also didn't expect to be at, which is that questions about job security for the coaching staff are actually a valid question and a legitimate concern. David Quinn was obviously brought in to help lead this rebuild, lead the retool, whatever you want to call it. And we knew there were going to be tough times, losing streaks, finishing low in the standings and competing for the first pick in the lottery. But I didn't expect that it would be so bad that we would have to actually talk about whether or not David Quinn would survive year two of the rebuild especially when it's only early November and the season is barely 10 or 12 games old. And what we're hearing right now is that David Quinn has obviously been asked about his job security. Uh, he said he's not concerned about it. He's focusing on helping this team improve, which is obviously what he should be doing. And then the most glaring quote that came out of the Sharks locker room today was the one from Mike Greer, where he said, Quote, if the response isn't there and I'm not seeing what I need to see, then everything will be evaluated and I'm sure there'll be some changes made. So what that sounds like to me is that this coaching staff and the team are going to have at least a little bit of time to try and turn this around. And, and by turn this around, I mean kind of get back to respectability and playing at least a competitive game um, and not getting blown out and allowing 10 goals every single time they take the ice. Like I said earlier, I was expecting that the Sharks would at least be competitive, um, would still very much be in contention for the first overall pick, but would at least be in every single game and give teams a run for their money. That hasn't happened yet, and it's not showing any signs right now of getting any better. And I think if the Sharks were at least competitive and they were in every game on the scoreboard, I don't think we would be having this conversation. But when you're getting blown out every game, even though this is a rebuilding year, um, it's a season where the Sharks are tanking and they don't have any intention of being good, nor should they, you still have to at least be competitive because the last thing that you want is to get blown out every game, look really, really bad, and then come the offseason as you're trying to restockpile talent and continue to build you still want to be a desirable destination for free agents, for draft picks. You still want the Will Smiths of the world to, to sign in San Jose when they're done at Boston. And obviously, you still want the fan support as well. And so getting blown out on a regular basis is just not going to help. And even though the goal really isn't to win that many games, they do still need to find a way to be competitive. The Sharks brought in David Quinn, obviously, to deliver a certain message and to get the Sharks to play a certain style uh, that would be tougher to play against, that would be competitive. And for whatever reason, that message that he's delivering just has not sank in with this team uh, over the last couple of seasons. And I think Mike Greer will give David Quinn the rest of November to try and coach some improvement into this team. 
but if we continue to see big blowouts, I think there's a real chance that a coaching change could be made by December, which is really too bad because I think David Quinn is saying all the right things and imparting the right message into his team. And I don't really think these struggles are all his fault. I think the bigger issue has been the hand that he's been given or the roster that he's been given. So even though when the Sharks were looking for a new coach a couple of seasons ago, I was hoping personally for a new school kind of guy like Spencer Carberry or Ryan Warsawski, who obviously was ultimately hired as the assistant coach for San Jose, uh, rather than going to what is often called a retread or someone who's been in the Rolodex of head coaches that tend to get shuffled around whenever there's a firing or an opening. So I was hoping for one of those new school kind of guys. Obviously, Mike Greer went with David Quinn. Um, and again, I don't think that was necessarily a bad move, and I don't think this is necessarily his fault. Um, do I think the team will improve enough to save his job? I haven't seen any evidence that suggests that they will, so I wouldn't bet on him finishing the season as their coach. And speaking of placing bets, this episode of All Sharks No Bite is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. That's right, the NFL season is going strong, and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking new customers up with an offer that's even stronger. Bet 5 bucks on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this November. If you're like me, you'll be watching the Niners and the Jags and hoping the Niners can get back on track this weekend. And while you watch the game, you can use DraftKings Sportsbook to place all kinds of game and prop bets on game day. So get in on the game day greatness, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, and use code THPN. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet 5 on the NFL. That's code THPN only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, Louisiana. 21 and over age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 160 hours after assurance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. This episode is also sponsored by Raycon. The holidays are chaotic. Some people have already started decorating. I may or may not be one of those people. But I know for some, it may be too early to start decorating for the holidays, but it's never too early to start your holiday shopping. So why not take care of it now before the crowds and packed calendars make shopping a total nightmare, especially when you can get some of the best deals of the season well before Black Friday. You can shop Raycon products right now and save up to 50% off because their early Black Friday sale is going on right now. You've probably heard a lot of my colleagues on THPN talk about Raycon's products and rave about them. I'm personally really excited to try out their everyday earbuds. And speaking of which, Raycon first made a name for themselves in the audio space with products like the everyday earbuds, known for delivering high quality and thoughtful features like a 32-hour battery life and perfect in-ear fit for all-day wear and lasting comfort. 
And this past year, they expanded their entire business with the introduction of Raycon Home and Raycon PowerTech. Their five-star reviewed Magic 180 cable allows you to charge iOS, micro-USB, and Type-C devices eight times faster with 100-watt power delivery, and their faucet filter ultra-filters the water in your tap against chlorine and heavy metals. It's a must-have for ensuring the water you use to wash your face and brush your teeth is, you know, actually clean. Raycon is known for delivering high-quality and thoughtful features at half the price of other premium tech brands. So it's no wonder their products have racked up tens of thousands of five-star reviews. To get everyone in the holiday shopping spirit a bit early, Raycon is currently offering 20% off everything on their site, with the select products up to 50% off. So beat the crowds and save now. Trust me, you do not want to miss out on Raycon's early Black Friday sale. Hurry now to buyraycon.com THPN to get 20 to 50% off site-wide. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score up to 50% off Raycon products. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. One thing that's been on my mind, and I know a lot of Sharks fans have been debating this recently, is how the Sharks are going to handle some of the younger players that they have in the pipeline, specifically guys like Thomas Bordalo, who was a healthy scratch and then got sent down to the AHL as well as guys like Daniel Gushin, who's been playing really great for the Barracuda this season. Um, there's debate as to the best way to handle these top prospects in terms of whether they should be playing in the NHL or playing in the AHL and continuing to develop down there. I'm personally of the mind that both should get a chance in the NHL. And here's how I see it, because it could go one of two ways, right? Either they bring up Bordalo and Gushin, they play a lot of games at the NHL level this season and don't make any significant contributions and San Jose continues to struggle and finishes with the top pick in the draft. Or they actually play well, they help the team be more competitive, which they badly need, and then the Sharks still finish in last place and get a high draft pick. Either way, the Sharks stay on track for their tank slash rebuild and these two prospects both get valuable NHL experience. With the numbers that Gushin has put up in the AHL this season, I think he's earned a shot at the NHL level. And in terms of Thomas Bordalo's development, I don't think he really has much else to prove down in the AHL. So why not give him a chance to figure out the NHL game in a season where the standings don't really matter? The other plus side is that these are guys that fans actually want to see. So having them in the lineup could at least keep the fans invested in coming to the games. I remember on opening night when the Sharks were introducing all their players, uh, Thomas Bordalo got an especially loud round of applause from the fans, so you know that they're at least excited about him and excited to see him play. All of that said, I do get the counter-arguments. You want guys like Bordalo to earn their way into the lineup, and he hasn't really done that this season. You also don't want to ruin a guy's development or his confidence by injecting them into the NHL too soon. And I'll fully acknowledge my bias and say I'd rather, in this situation with these two guys, err on the side of giving them reps in the NHL and letting them prove themselves up there, um, especially while the stakes are so low this season. And because both guys have been in the organization for a few years, it would obviously be different if these were 18-year-olds or if they're younger guys, um, but they've been in the organization for a few years now. So I personally would rather see them get a chance in the NHL for an extended period of time. And it'll at least make the team more interesting, potentially more exciting, potentially more competitive. But either way, it doesn't hurt the tank. And I don't see a ton of risk in terms of ruining their development or their confidence.
Before I close out the episode, I do want to talk about Joe Thornton, who officially announced his retirement from the NHL a couple of weeks ago. And with his retirement, that signaled the official end of my childhood at the age of 32. Um, I was a either freshman or sophomore in high school when the Sharks traded for Joe Thornton in November of 2005. And I remember the trade like it was yesterday. I was sitting on my couch watching the game with my family. Um, Randy and Drew looked and sounded absolutely shell-shocked. And I remember that the news of that trade was so big that it was actually on SportsCenter and ESPN News. And that was at a time when the NHL was never covered on ESPN ever. Like, I, I don't even think they were having Barry Melrose on for those like five-minute segments where he would talk about hockey and ESPN would pretend to be interested in the NHL. But even the news of the Joe Thornton trade made it onto SportsCenter. At the time, Sidney Crosby was just coming into the league, and so was Alexander Ovechkin. Um, and at least for those two years, the first two years that Thornton was with San Jose, I think there's a legitimate argument that he was the best player in the league at that time. And the things that really stood out to me were, one, no one can knock him off the puck. If he put his body between the puck and the defender, good luck, you were not going to get it from him. Um, and the other thing was obviously the passing. I mean, he made passes that I had never seen anyone make before. And it's kind of crazy how the game has changed since that time, because a lot of the passes that Joe Thornton made that looked like they were impossible and no one else in the league could make, I feel like we start to see those kinds of passes on a pretty regular, if not daily basis across the league. So it really speaks to, one, how far ahead of his time Joe Thornton was, and it speaks to how much better the league has gotten, how much more skilled players have gotten. And I think you can see a lot of Joe Thornton's game and his influence on the league and his influence on skill development in the generation of hockey players that we see now where a lot more guys are able to do um, those things that used to be so rare that only Joe Thornton could do back in the day. I've seen people debate who won that trade. Was it San Jose or was it Boston? And the argument for Boston being that, well, they traded Joe Thornton and then with the cap space and some other deals that they made, it opened things up for them to sign guys like Mark Savard and Zidane Chara, and then ultimately win the Stanley Cup in 2011. So even though on paper, San Jose definitely won the deal, there are some that argue, and I think it's a valid argument that Boston did ultimately win the trade because that trade kind of set in motion a sequence of events and opened up opportunities for Boston to do things that helped them build a Stanley Cup team. So I think that's a valid argument. I think it's a really interesting and compelling argument. But for me, there's no doubt in my mind about where I come down on this trade. I definitely think San Jose won that trade. When you look at it, they gave up Wayne Primo, Brad Stewart, and Marco Sturm in exchange for Joe Thornton. They were able to get the best player in the world at that time without giving up a first round draft pick or even multiple first round draft picks, which is absolutely insane and unfathomable uh, in this day and age. And when you look at the way that it unfolded and you look at the sequence of events that followed that trade and how Boston ultimately ended up winning the Stanley Cup in 2011, I don't think that trade with the Sharks was the beginning of some 3D chess master plan to start a rebuild and to ultimately build a Stanley Cup winning team uh, by Mike O'Connell, who was the GM of the Boston Bruins at the time. Based on what I remember, 
Joe Thornton had kind of fallen out of favor. He was the captain of the team, but the team struggled in the playoffs and Joe Thornton wasn't particularly effective on the score sheet. Um, I do believe that was because he was playing with pretty significant injuries at the time, but he had kind of fallen out of favor. There was frustration and questions about his leadership. And I think the Bruins were just kind of ready to move on from him and start over. I'm not sure that there was really any plan beyond that that Mike O'Connell had. Peter Shirelli was the one, I believe, that ultimately took over the team and wound up signing the likes of Mark Savard and Zidane Chara. So that Stanley Cup team was really built in Peter Shirelli's vision. And I'm not really sure that was a big brain move that Mike O'Connell saw like 10 or 15 moves ahead that set this all in motion. Um, I think it's more he made a goofy decision and a lopsided trade. And then Peter Shirelli came in and kind of cleaned up the mess in the best possible way. So with all that said, congratulations to Joe Thornton on a Hall of Fame career. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer and for my money, one of the top 100 players in NHL history. And yes, I'm still salty about that. And I'm certainly looking forward to seeing Joe Thornton's number 19 go up to the Raptors next to Patrick Marlowe's number 12 at SAP Center. So that's it for this one. Really hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks again to the Hockey Podcast Network for bringing me on board. Thanks again to the sponsors of the show, Raycon and DraftKings Sportsbook. If you want to interact with the show on Twitter, reach out on Twitter at AllSharksNoBite. Send me your spiciest Sharks memes while you're at it. Uh, even though this season has been so painful, uh, the memes have been a lot of fun and I'm having a great time with them personally. And the laughter has covered up my tears. So continue to send those my way. And if you have any questions for future episodes or anything you'd like me to discuss, hit me up. Once again, that's on Twitter at AllSharksNoBite. But that's it for this one. We'll talk soon and go Sharks.